Hi, it's Stephanie Ricca, Editorial Director of Hotel News Now, and I'm here at the NYU Hospitality Conference for a little bit of real talk, if you will, with two of the, the data experts. <laughs> They're laughing at me on the other side of the microphone. I've got Isaac Colazzo, Vice President of Analytics for STR, and Jan Freitag, National Director for Hospitality, Hospitality Analytics for the CoStar Group. Now, I invited you both here because I knew that you would give me, again, some real talk. A lot of what we hear at these conferences is sort of varnished over or a little bit overly optimistic, although I know, Isaac, you are a very optimistic type. I am. Let's just start with that. If I were to say to you, characterize your optimism well, From not, this conference, what you're hearing. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to characterize my optimism. What I heard was unbridled optimism. I was very surprised to see all the CEOs on the panel. Not a negative word was said. And that was surprising. In fact, they believe the STR forecast is too low. And we raised the forecast here at NYU. So I'm just, that's very surprising to me. Because normally someone says, but wait, there could be something that hurts us. But there was no but wait. There's no more. They, it's more performance. The, and on the CoStar side, the house call is still for a recession that supposedly starts the second half. Well, the second half of the year started, what, five days ago? <laughs> um, and it certainly didn't feel like a recession here at NYU this year. As you said, basically everybody I listened to on the main stage said life is good, KPIs are good, growth rates looking forward are good. Amanda Height, you know, presented the forward-looking data for the next 90 days. Certainly good occupancy on certain days, higher than it was a year ago. The only sort of fly in the ointment is that there's not a lot of deal activity. I talked to right. a broker last night. It was late, but I, we had a conversation about deal volume, and he was saying, look, basically, like, this year, it's going to be 25% of the number of deals he did last year. There just is a lot of wait and see on the money side. But the KPIs are good. And the optimism was unbridled. And what you were talking about in terms of the recession, we heard this year uh, the, the term now rolling recession. So even the house view at CoStar is second quarter. The tourism economics view is third quarter. We keep wondering if it's going to be pushed into 2024, that it's just going to be a rolling recession. Well, first of all, pushing it down the road, or it's going to be industry by industry, right? I mean, we talked about that at dinner the other night. Yeah, will it even be a recession, the most anticipated recession in, in history, yeah. basically? And I heard this on, on Planet Money. The economist was basically saying, hey, maybe this is just industry by industry. So transportation is in a recession. Maybe tech goes into a recession, but then comes back out. And then maybe it's going to hit travel hospitality. We don't, we don't think so. But maybe it hits uh, different industries at different times. And so that means that the total U.S. economy never actually goes into a recession, which be interesting. And, you know, Wait, let me ask one quick question. Sure. Let me jump in here. If a recession hits the hotel industry, does that look like it has in the past? No, that's what the, I, I know this guy. And this guy believes that the travel economy is different from the general economy. And the travel economy is protected this time around because if you look at job growth, the biggest gains in employment have been professionals. Professionals tend to be college educated. They also tend to earn more and, and live in households at 100,000 plus. Guess what? Those are the people who travel for leisure. And they're kind of protected unless we see, in my view, unless we see real job losses or layoffs among professionals, tech, you know, we'll put tech aside for now. Then I think we fly through this recession or whatever we're going to call it 
unscathed. Right, leisure is certainly very, very healthy. The problem, though, with that line of argument is that when you're saying, look, the people who got hired are white-collar people, we are not back in the office. So corporate transient demand has not fully recovered. Yes, we're certainly saying that upper upscale occupancies are coming back. But the question to me is, how do those big boxes fill their beds if Delta is saying, oh, corporate transient is only 75% of pre-pandemic levels? And if we're saying that office occupancies are decreasing and that office utilization is falling and that people are putting office space on the secondary market, on the, on the, on the sublease market. So if we don't have that white-collar worker, even though they have a job, but if they're not in the office, what does that mean for downtown upper upscale occupancy? And Exhibit A is park hotels throwing back the but key at the But that San lender. Francisco, no. We, let's leave San Francisco off the table. Oh, that's no, completely. We, we don't want to talk about it. that one yet. But did you not see? I mean, if farmers group are making their employees come back, I think you're seeing return to the office. And my counterpoint is, yes, we're at 75%. We heard that from Delta, but it is still growing. And if you looked at the forecast, which I know you've seen that we released here on Monday, we're showing that the growth in our industry for the remainder of this year is all on the upper tier, upper upscale and upscale. That's where the growth is because and the top 25 markets, because those are the markets that are still lagging that have to return. So yes, maybe it's not back, but it's not like the tide's going out for business travel. The tide's still coming in. And so I think that's what's going to keep the business side recovering. It may not fully recover in 2023, I agree, but it's also not going to go backwards in 2023. You tell that to the 30,000 Amazon employees who started a Slack channel when Amazon said, hey, we want you back in the office, not five, not four, but three days. And there is like an uproar, a revolt around the Amazon right. campus. But guess what? That's why it's called job. And so you either want the job or you don't, right? You have an option. So, and I think that's just a matter of everyone's going to go through that. And Farmers Group is having the same thing. There's a, there's a whole discussion on that. But I do think it's going to be different. I do, I do think we're going to see the top 25. We're seeing it here in New York. Again, San Francisco, totally different story. That one's going to be one for the ages, right? We're going we're gonna to be talking about San Francisco for a very long time. But New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Atlanta, I think you're going to see them coming back. And I think what drives part of that downtown recovery there is certainly the uptick in group demand. You know, I think we've, uh, we have all been positively surprised. And I think part of the narrative is now, oh, if we're not back in the office and our head of HR still has to build culture, how do we do that? Well, let's all come to, I don't know, New Orleans on Wednesday night for dinner, Thursday right. morning team building, Thursday afternoon uh, uh, training, and then we all go home again. But there is now group travel that didn't exist in 2019, 2018 because we had a water cooler around which to congregate, which we don't do as much anymore. So I think we are, I think both, pretty bullish on group travel going yeah, forward. I agree. And I think every, yeah, I keep talking to all our meeting planner friends, Conference Direct, Helms Briscoe, they're just doing great. And they just see that they're actually more business than they can handle at this point. So I do think that group travel is an, another savior. So, you know, we've never talked about pent up group demand, but there's pent up <laughs> group demand, which is bizarre to think about that. And then leisure, I think we are hearing some, you know, people are concerned about luxury because we're seeing negative ADR in luxury over the last four months. But if you look at luxury and you look at, we did some work that Amanda presented on Monday as well, and it showed that the resorts tend to be luxury. They're the ones as a percentage of all resort hotels that have recovered the most. I think it was 60% of those type of hotels are recovered. 
And what's lagging still is the urban large hotels, like what we're in right now. And that's where our forecast shows that that's what's going to push the industry forward in 2023 and into 2024. Yeah, I talk to reporters a lot who have this con who have this question about, oh wow, you know, what do consumers have to contend with this summer in terms of higher room rates? And I say, well, turns out two things are true. Yes, year over year, luxury ADRs are down, but compared to 2019, they're up by 30 percent. And it's the only and like it's the only chain scale that is in mm. real terms above 2019. So you can still feel as a consumer that you're paying more than what you remember pre-pandemic, but it's also true that owners and operators can say, uh oh. You know, there's a little bit of softening in the rumor, but keep in mind, it's off a very, very high right. rate. Right. And I guess from consumers, as we're talking about rates, what we are seeing is, yeah, rates are starting to moderate. In fact, that's expected, right? They can't be rising 10% year over year. That's, those days are kind of gone behind us. And so now we're going to see more normal rate growth. The question is, will rates continue to be above the rate of inflation? So we've seen a couple of months where rate growth was not at the rate of inflation was below the rate of inflation so that's bad for hotel owners because that's impacting the bottom line but demand is up at this point. and that isaac certainly is a conversation that we're i don't think having enough right you know because the str coaster forecast is now 3.5 percent adr growth what's the expected level of inflation probably 3.5 percent right. for the year you know and that means real real growth of zero right you know but at the same time one topic I hear a lot about is insurance. You know, everybody talks about wages, but insurance costs are going up in some of the Florida markets, 50, 60% year over year. And how do you make up for that in your bottom line if your real growth rate in ADR is zero? Right, agreed. And that is a big topic. We're hearing a lot about that. And again, I think the other big thing that we heard and we saw here is that no one had really thought about, but the forecast, the way it's put together, both the CoStar and STR, is that really we're going to see lower RevPAR growth in each and every quarter going forward, right? Because in anticipation of this recession, I do think there's a lot of upside potential in the forecast, as in it could be much higher than what we're forecasting at 5%, but it's still going to feel very different from the first quarter when we saw almost 17% RevPAR growth. We're not going to see 17% RevPAR growth in Q2, Q3, or Q4. And that's going to may, may make some folks unsettled because they're like, what's going on? Well, it's just back to basics, back to normal patterns. Yeah, it's, I mean, certainly the first quarter was an outlier because of the, the, an, a very, right. very easy comp. And also fair disclosure, right? There are four entities that provide an annual forecast and STR Coaster is the lowest with 5%. The highest is at 6.6. Correct. But... No, no. I, you I guys just, are like a morning talk radio <laughs> drive time I, show. I but hate I, to interrupt. Again, everything we're hearing, I mean, it's very positive. And again, that's what it's interesting to me because whenever we come here, there's always someone who has something negative to say. And we're just, except for the financing and transaction exactly. side. And that, even when you say it, just like, oh, except for the financing and the transactions, that type of environment a cycle ago would have been enough for people to fall into pieces over it. Right. And they're just not falling over. I mean, we went to multiple receptions over the last two days and everyone seems happy. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. It was fun, <laughs> but we're tired. That's why I have no voice at the moment. <clears throat> but it was, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. And it, again, given all the dynamics we're seeing it around. Very much seems like wait and see on the transaction front. So there are a couple of things. I mean, yesterday, you know, Blackstone sold the JW in uh, San Antonio um, to Ryman for $800 million. So certainly a line in the sand saying, oh, wow, for meeting-oriented properties, you can still get top dollars. And once again, the Blackstone guys are the smartest people in the room. Right. You know, on the other side, we had the park 
you know, read basically, I don't know if people still throw keys at somebody, but basically saying, hey, you know, we're probably not going to service the debt on two very large entities in, in San Francisco because they obviously have a, have a perspective that San Francisco right now is not where they want to put, you know, good money after bad. But as my, my sense is that people are waiting and they're waiting for the Federal Reserve to say, you know what, we are done with interest rate hikes. There might be another one in the cards, but once that has stabilized and once there's certainty in the interest rate environment, that's when we're going to see a lot of activity starting. Uncertainty breeds inaction. And right. people right now are just sitting on the sidelines right. saying, I don't know what interest rates are going to be like. Once we have a much better sense of what they are, I think we're going to see a lot of activity. It's interesting. At lunch right now, just before we came up to do this, I was sitting with a friend of mine who's on the finance side. And he says, we're about in a six-month hold period because again with some of the bank failures and things banks are under a lot of scrutiny so they're really holding and until and there's some other new regulatory issues coming up with banking that might just you know they got to wait to see what happens and then they'll be back out but right now they're in a hold period and he said six to eight months well he said six I'm going to say six to eight months there's always have to be there has to be a buffer so I think that's I think yeah I think that's the only real negative and an issue that the industry will have to contend with and on, on, and you know, as as they said in the Arafat panel this uh, this morning, you know, every time there is a challenge, there is an opportunity on the other side, and the opportunity right now is certainly debt funds. Right. You know, people can deploy debt at equity returns will be much better Agreed. situated in the capital stack, and there are a lot of debt funds out there telling people, hey, here's call it rescue, call it recovery, capital, call it what you will, saying, hey, dear owner, we know you have to right-size your loan. We are here to help at 12, 14% interest rate. Know that that money isn't forever. You can refinance it in whatever, two or three years. But today we are here and people are swallowing hard and saying, well, okay, I may have to do that. Right. So there's going to be some activity on that, on that front, but probably not this flood of, um, of, of, of uh, impairment sales or, or uh, properties that are going to go fully into foreclosure. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree with that. That is a great note to end on. Thank you all for joining me as a fly on the wall in the room where it happened in the conversation between Isaac and Jan. Stay tuned to Hotel News Now and CoStar.com for more news from the conference and news from around the industry. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much.